You are listening to the Sons of Asaph, a worship podcast. What is up, everybody? This is Adam Richardson. And I'm Sean Patrick. Welcome back to the conversation of the Sons of Asaph Worship Podcast. And today, we it's weird. We're not used to this because normally there's two people on the screen, but we have three people on the screen. And we want, yeah, we want to invite in Pastor Steve Pearson, good friend, but lead pastor at uh, Redemption Hill Church. And we are stoked. Steve, thanks for joining us, man. No, it's cool, man. I'm glad to be here. He has, and you can tell, he has much better equipment or use of much better equipment than we do. So uh, as you listen to his, his, his just buttery sounding voice today, buttery. Um, yeah, buttery. That, that was the, that was the adjective that, is, that I, that came to mind. It's, that it's, is it's, every it's day, thing. Sean. <laughs> you said radio studios in Provo, Utah. <laughs> so we're going to shameless plug, uh, you know, Redemption Hill Church, because if you want to hear preaching that sounds that good, Steve's the guy. So <laughs> yeah, our equipment good. ain't that good over there either. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we um, Steve, man, we're, we're stoked that you're here. We, we've been talking for a few episodes, at least at least two or three on uh, on worship. And so, uh, no, it's a worship podcast. That's what we've been talking about. But we're, we're glad that you're here to provide a little bit of different perspective because Adam and I are obviously we're worship leaders and we have this perspective. But uh you know, talking about things from a, from a worship lead, uh, for, excuse me, from a lead pastor position uh, in the area of worship, uh, I think it's going to be really helpful. But I think what we're just going to do is just have a sweet conversation about, uh, about what, what, you, what it is that you do and the relationship that you have with Adam. And uh, it, we're going to make it all painfully, painfully public. Uh, the relationship that you guys have. Right Super now, so. uncomfortable. Talk <laughs> about the most embarrassing moments, you know, that kind of stuff. No, you don't want me to do that. <laughs> He's, I don't know. Steve, put the notebook down. He's got a list, people. No, no it's all right. <clears throat> well, hey, I'm before we get a note here so I don't forget what it is we're talking about. I'm at that age. What were we saying? <laughs> Where am I? Who are these people? What is this you know, mic in front of me? It, it's good. It's good that he has he has people that check up on him and just, you know, text and, and I kind of say, Steve, are you, are you good today? Are you good? You're good. All right. Yeah. Well, Steve, do, do me a favor. So we've, we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but from your perspective, uh, tell us a little bit about Redemption Hill and what, uh, what, what caused you guys, what, what, what God put in your heart to start the church. Maybe that might, that might take up the whole podcast. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we were, I, I was in California, um, prior to 2005 and, you know, the Lord's kind of always put it on, on our heart to, um, to plant a church and then just became more and more evident over, um, from about 2000 to 2005, where it would be um, in, in Utah, but just kind of waiting for open doors. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't, really in a place where you just pick up and move and come here. I was really just waiting for God to do something. And then a particular individual called me and said, I heard that I was, you know, looking to start a church and want to know if I wanted to come alongside one. And I said, well, I'm open. And so me and my, me and my family came down here and checked it out and we hit it off with the person. And so we, we moved out here and helped him kind of establish a church. Um, we're there for about 12 years. And then the Lord just took us to a place where it was clear that, that, that we wanted to plant a church. It really wasn't on, on the heart of the individual. And so it just became a, a good point of departure. And 
we found Risen Life, um, you know, in Salt Lake City who had a heart to expand the kingdom. And, um, you know, we, we, we lived in Saratoga Springs, which, is, uh, which was the time and still is to some extent the fastest growing um, community as far as residential in Utah. And it's the youngest because, you know, young people get special government loans out there because it's, it's frontier land considered. Anyway, you know, between Eagle Mountain and, and Saratoga Springs, I think there's approaching about 80,000 people, which is a lot of people. Yeah. And there were no churches at the time. And so it was like premier, you know, and so um, through with, you know, talking, being at, at Risen Life for 15 months and talking to the elders and, you know, we all agreed it was something that, that we wanted to do. And so we launched, um, actually yesterday was our four year anniversary. So we yeah. launched, um, you know, that's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been four years already. Yeah, it's nuts. Wow. Huh? Um, wow. The church has gone through a lot of transition, you know, we've, we've, um, you know, we started off and just through some extenuating circumstances, our church grew to about 200 adults almost overnight and another 40 kids. And so it wasn't, it wasn't really that healthy. Uh, we didn't have the leaders to be able to care for that many people. And, you know, the people were coming out of a, just a real abusive situation. And so, um, you know, over the last, you know, over the first two years, we really two and a half years, we were a hospital. Um, and, and we were fine, you know, we we're just trying to get people to focus back on Jesus rather than on men and church and, and, and what they'd been hurt from. Um, and then just through, through a set of circumstances, I was praying, you know, for a, for a different direction in worship and God sent Adam. And as soon as Adam came, you know, the rest of our church, about half of them left. Um, <laughs> he knows, he knows no, that, that, that's he about knows how, that's about par for Adam. You know, like when he shows up about half the room leaves. So, you know, you know here, here's the thing. Ouch. <laughs> Those, those people would have probably left eventually anyway. And it really was, you know, God coming to, or Adam coming to our church was a godsend. And, um, you know, it really kind of, it, yeah. it kind of really refined our church down to the congregation that we have today, which is, you know, with COVID, who really knows what their congregation is, but we're estimating right. we're between 70 and 80 people, which is exactly about what we can care for. And frankly, the, the the church now is really everybody that lives out where we live, so it's sustainable, right? That's that's yeah. a good that's a good marker that the local church is impacting its community. When everybody's driving from forty five minutes away to house a church, I mean that's cool because you have people in the seats, but it's really not an indicator that you're that you're impacting the place you're at. And so now, um, you know, I, I tell people I'm more happier now in the four years than I've ever been as far as pastoring the church, and so. You know, it's great. And, and, and our worship, since this is a worship podcast, you know, our worship has taken on the really the identity of the church and who, who we are. And, you know, um, it, was, it was rough going in the beginning because Adam was coming into a very tumultuous situation. And I remember just telling him, just meeting with him and saying, dude, you just got to hold on. You just got to, you know, th this isn't your mess. You just got to hold on. Um, eventually, the congregation will see you as their worship. Uh, leader. And, and so that's exactly what happens. And so, you know, we're in a good place right now, but that's kind of how the church started. And Adam, how long have you been, you and Steve been working together over at Redemption Hill? It's been about um, a year, year and a half. Uh, actually over a year and a half, March. Uh, God, I remember it like it's a thorn in my side. March 10th um, uh, was when I, I started. There. I don't kidding. know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is going to be, oh, I love, I love the jabs back and forth. So, so for, for the, 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 the several of you who listen, uh, you know, this, this is more behind the scenes between a, a pastoral staff. 
you may think that on Sunday, it's just, you know, like you, what you see, like all business and all the things. No, 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 no. You, there's, there's behind the curtain. There's so much more. It's a, it's, it's a great thing. Well, like, Hey, let me, let me ask you this. Like Steve, you, you said that uh, your the worship has taken on the characteristic uh, of, of the church. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Like what, it, what is it that, uh, that when Adam stepped in, um, what, what, what was it that, that pushed it over that, uh, that line for you? Well, you know, I, I think before, um, you know, and I want to be careful because the, even the people before that were involved with worship, you know, they're friends and yeah. I think they were for the, they, they were picked for our church for that time. Right. But, but the truth is the demographic of our church rapidly changed. We were, a, we were a, a predominantly elderly group because of the extenuating circumstances of the rapid growth of our church and where they came from. Um, but I knew that if God was in this, which I believed he was, we would eventually take on the identity of the place we live, which is the average age is yeah. about 22 years old. Right. Yeah. And so the, you know, the, the kind of worship, I guess you could say the style of worship, whether you want to call it progressive, whether you want to call it modern, whatever you want to call it was really that, that Adam brought wasn't going to ultimately be conducive to the older crowd. And so what, what happens first, the new worship leader or, or the demographic change? And so, yes mm. and yes, they both kind of happened simultaneously. And I think one kind of kind of just kind of took off. And so what ended up happening was, um, you know, the crowd was already starting to change. And some people were, you know, we, we were a, we were a um, I guess you could call, we were a rebound relationship in a church for a lot of people. They just needed a <laughs> safe place to land, to kind of with familiar yeah, faces, like you know, and, and ultimately it wasn't okay. going to be something that was long-term, you know, yeah, and I was okay yeah. with that. And so of all the people that left, you know, I'm, I'm friends with all of them. I mean, there's no, there's no hard feelings, but what Adam brought in was, was a type and a style of worship that did make some people uncomfortable, right? Um, you add to that, that every worship leader has a different disposition. They have a different, sure. you know, personality, right? And, and that put into the equation um, with the different style of worship kind of hastened the day, I guess, for a lot of people to, to go. And I was okay with that because I knew ultimately if Redemption Hill was going to be a healthy local church, it was going to be filled with 20 and 30 year olds. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and that just is what it is. It's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, and so the people ultimately started leaving and they went places where they felt more comfortable with the style of worship and so forth. And new people have come. And so I could say today that, that our congregation is made up of, of primarily all new people. None of mm. us, none, none of them are really from, from what the beginning was maybe a handful. And so yeah. now it's very different. Right. And it does make up, uh, it does make up a good snapshot of our community. So, so people enjoy the worship. Um, and, and there was just a hard period there, a hard transition there. Um, so anyway, that's kind of the, that's kind of the gist of that. That's awesome. And it's such a, like for me, like I, I've known both of you guys uh, from working at, at Risen Life. And I love the, the feeling that, like I don't know, I, I've had some minor part to play in, uh, you know, sitting at coffee with you, Steve, and uh, but also you know playing on a worship team with Adam, um, and honestly for both of you guys, like our loss is Redemption Hills gain in so many ways. Um, it, like it's it, it's sad to not see you guys every week uh, and like worship with you, but like to see and and to know that you know, you guys are out there doing what you've been doing as, as far as four years and planting a church. That's incredible. And then just like, 
your willingness to kind of roll with the punches in that too. I, I'm sure that like it's felt in several ways, shapes and forms, <laughs> like uh, like you know, equal parts blessing and beating in some in in some ways. But uh, you know, like we need churches in Utah, just like we need churches all over the place. And so, thank you guys for st standing in the gap and and actually like you know, reaching out to communities that had no churches. Um, yeah, so you, you said when you start. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say something to that, Sean. You know, worship is a it's a very sacred thing to people, right? Um, and and the truth is, worship in in music is um, a lot of it is stylistic, a lot of it is generational, right? It changes. I mean, if you go back and you listen to worship music in the '80s, you're kind of gonna be like, "Whoa, like what, what's this all about?" Right? And so that that <laughs> changes with the times. And so the people that that are culturized in church become familiar with a certain style of worship and that's okay. Yeah, that's not yeah, a bad thing. Yeah, and so anytime, anytime, you know, you impede on that, that becomes a, that becomes a hard thing for people to deal with. And so I just want to say that the people that ultimately kind of made their way out of redemption Hill primarily for the worship, that's not a bad thing, right? Because, because as God is building, uh, building redemption Hill for the place it has for our church and our community it's also building along with it cultural expectations, style, and different things. And, yeah, and so yeah. if people don't conform to that and, or people don't align with that, then they should go somewhere where they ultimately can. And, and so I, right. I want to make sure that people know that, that it's not, you know, I don't look upon the people that didn't enjoy our worship and say either our worship was not good or bad or that they were carnal. It just is what it is, right? And people, we just, we walk them out and give them a, give them to some other church where they can, you know, because ultimately the right. thing about worship is I think of this in first Samuel chapter 10, you know, people ask me all the time, well, what's, What's worship about? Because for a lot of churches, worship has become a filler space, right? It's something we do for the 20 to 30 minutes mm -hmm. beforehand. You know, it's the show before in. the sermon. It's yeah, the entertainment yeah. before the sermon, right? Yeah, like so that, if you that, miss that, the first song, <laughs> if you miss the second song, just as long as you get in your seat by the last song and everyone <laughs> can. You know? As long as you have your coffee and you've dropped oh, your kids off before. Steve, you are twisting the knife, man. No, there's in so many ways. But, but that's unfortunately what church people have been trained to think about worship. But if you look at when the instruction is given to Saul, as Saul is starting to take over as a leader in first Samuel 10, five, it says something interesting. It's being told him instructions are given to him. It says, after you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost, as you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, harps, and being played before them. And they will be prophesying. And then it says, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Yep. That to me is the core of worship. It's, it's not, it's not for me to just kind of, you know, kind of mosey in and high five everybody and sit down, you know, as two or three songs go by, it's to be in a place that as music begins, I'm in a place where I turn into a different person, if you will. I'm, I'm mm. expressing myself to God in such a deep way that, that the flesh is disappearing and my spirit is communing with God. And I think people miss that. People actually think that it's just, it's, it's a time, you know, the church really doesn't start until the message starts. And I'm trying, Adam's trying to train our congregation. Look at as sweet as fellowship is, and as good as coffee is. Yo, you got to be in your seat, man. Ready to ready to be turned yeah. into a different person. The coffee's not that good. You know what I mean? And, and, and that takes an effort. That takes yeah. an effort from everybody to create a culture. It's not going to happen automatically. Right.
you know, I think I, I, I think one of the things ahead, I want to speak into this is is kind of like this is just advice to other worship leaders that are kind of maybe maybe experiencing the dynamic of people who are like moseying in by song three by song four and you're like dude like why do I work all week to prepare and be ready for this when you know my responsibility is to lead you guys and usher that presence of the Lord in into the room and 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 then you're just like well like I wasn't ready for the Lord's presence until my second cup of coffee so that's why I'm not don't take that personal like that's something that you know it is it it, it took a lot a lot of time especially at Redemption Hill to to kind of I mean it's still something that we're working on and and kind of addressing is is in in some individuals that just kind of they don't even make it in to, to service until the sermon. And maybe that's a perspective that that's the way that they feel about worship. And, you know, it's not my job to go out and try and headlock everybody and put them in their seats, but it is although my I job. Would, although I would pay to see that. I think that that would be a whole different level in awesomeness of church. It just like, <laughs> you, have, you have the bouncer ministry that's we like, have, no, you're not into worship. And like, we have worship headlocks. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Is it okay if uh, when I lay hands on you, it's in the form of a full Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> it puts a whole different meaning to the phrase, put hands on you. You guys, I remember something. When I was a young believer, I remember I couldn't wait to get to church for the music. I, I love the word, but man, yeah. I would not want to be late. I wanted to be in my seat five minutes before all my hellos are, 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 are done. And I was just ready for that opening yeah. prayer and to just lay it out before God. And I don't know what happened. But something happened in the last 20 years that there's just been this transition. Maybe it's the interjection of the entertainment aspect of church and everybody wanting to, every worship team wanting to mimic Hillsong and, and all these others. And it's just like, you know, you got your own identity as, yeah. as a church and your own identity as a worship team. And, and that is meant by God to minister to the people that are in your church. Otherwise, it becomes this, this weird, lame kind of, well, I'm going to copy that because that seems to be the, you know, before it was, you know, this is why I think partly I really enjoy the space we're in right now, Adam, is it's just, it's just essentially a dude with a guitar sitting on a chair with a girl that's singing with him. And not that I, I'm opposed to bands because, you know, I, I love that and I want that, but there's a rawness there that I think a lot of times is missing in the church to the point to where even if we had a full worship band, which I covet, which Sean has, I would steal from time to time once a month, say, let's strip it all back. Let's grab two chairs. Let's sit down. Let's pull everybody in and let's just meditate on God because there's something raw and authentic that leaves out the smoke machines. It leaves mm. out the lights. It leaves out everything. Yo, put two lights on two people. Everybody worship, right? There's just something mm -hmm. authentic about that that I like. So anyway, I just thought I can, I can honestly say that, that my relationship with Christ, um, like, I don't feel like I experienced a depth like I, I had the head knowledge, but like it didn't it didn't totally get to my heart until I really grasped and understood and participated in worship. And like there was there was moments like I grew up in a church that like, you know, we we did like worship. The only time that I can remember worship being used that word was when it was printed in the in the the weekly bulletin and it said worship at the top and it was like three hymns that we were going to sing before the announcements and the, and the sermon. And like, you know, it just, it felt like so robotic to me, but like there was this moment that, that happened when worship actually became something 
where <clears throat> where it was like I don't know there there was life and energy and I love that like I love that passion, um, Steve. Like and I, I, I if maybe if anybody would get anything else out of this uh, this this time would be that dude don't miss don't miss this. There's so much more to a church service. It's not just filler. Like it's there's there's weight. There's presence. There's passion. There's energy. There's grace and mercy and love and, and so many things that happen and God communicates with us in so many different ways, not through just the, the song, but just our willingness to enter in his presence and recognize him for who he is. Every time we see God's God in the Bible, like we see the throne room of God, there's also this description of seraphim. There's this description of what's happening around God and it's constant worship. And so yeah. like, it's, it's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. It's, you know, worthy is the lamb. It's these things that are being, being constantly, you know, shouted that the foundations of heaven are being shaken. And we get this awesome opportunity at the beginning. Like as we gather as the body of Christ, we get this opportunity to join in what's already been, been going on and what will go on well after the band stops playing uh, you know, like we get to join in that and it's our, I would add, and we miss that. I, I would add to it, Sean, because here's the thing. If you think of the way the modern, the modern church, um, you know, service is structured, you have worship at the beginning and then you have, you know, you have the message that follows the, the, the message is very clearly going through God's word, God speaking to us. And mm-hmm. so the first part of the service is our ability to talk to God during worship, yeah. it's our ability yeah. to pour out praise to God and thank God, whereas God's interacting with us, not that he's not interacting with us in worship, but more specifically, he's interacting, instructing us with word, with the word. Right. Worship time is our chance to interact with God and give praise back to him. And so to, to, to kind of neglect that, I, I, think, I think a person's missing it. They're, they're really being robbed. Yeah. I got to point out two, two words here. Actually, I knew guys, that he was going to do this. It's I three. Knew that he it's was three. Do this. First off, you said a magic phrase right there, Steve, that uh, that is so powerful and <laughs> it, it, it carries such weight. Magic. It's <laughs> magic. Um, Can you that word that, is uh, Steve, worship Steve time. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a whole episode on, on worship time because that was a, oh, a poor, poorly decided band name for uh, <laughs> when we went to Sunfest with uh, Sean and Sean just accidentally used that. And uh, the drummer and I looked at each other and smiled these huge cheesy grins and said, "We are worship time." <laughs> and so, and so, uh, it, but but not 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 to go like crazy. And, yeah, don't and, don't derail that like that that scent or that amazing like fully packed thing that Steve just did to derail us back to the worst joke and the but worst band of all time. Adam, come on. Like, but he, <laughs> but he said it, and I was like, like I wish that it was a video because my eyes just like lit up right there. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going there. <laughs> but 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 the other word is that that I wanted to point out is the word participated. Mm. Is uh, both of you guys have said this, but it was like once you know, like I was excited about participating in worship or once I started to participate in worship, then, and that, that to me is, is not something where it's like, well, I mean, I could casually get into the habit of talking with my friends and drinking coffee and having cookies and then eventually strolling in. And that habit just stays that way. And I don't even realize that worship actually, we had a team in the church that actually led worship because I've been so wrapped up in 
distractions. But when I decided to participate, then then now now it gets to this other part of it where you go like I'm unsatisfied. Like every single time I come to church, my desire is to get filled up, and I can't get enough of that. It's almost an addiction at that point. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. That's oh, man. Like I'm, I'm just getting like pumped. Like we're, we're recording this on a Monday. Like we've just had Sunday, but it's like, we got it. We got to get to Sunday. Like, you know, we got to get to this, this place, you know, I'm getting this in this energy and this, you know, I don't know. It feels, feels right. It feels like what we ought to be doing. So Steve, and thank we, you, Sean Steve and I had for a... bringing up worship time. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Sean, Sean and I had a conversation beforehand and one of the unique things that, that stood out to both of us. And I, I was wondering actually, because you, you were referring to a notepad that you had there. And I don't know if it actually is like this, this is the proper setting, or if you have a, a dedicated pad notepad that you have this on, mm. but I remember one of the first times I met you and you were, you know, I was walking by, you know, like you, you had seen me lead worship at the men's retreat, but then turned around and, 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 um, and, and I, I'm walking towards, I, I can't remember what I was like back to my room in the lodge. And you, I, I see just, I just happened to see over your shoulder and I see this notepad that looks like a fifth graders doodle pad, you know, like, I, I don't know if it's, if, and then I asked you, I was like, what, what is that? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, these are, these are my sermon notes. I'm like, those are the coolest sermon notes I've ever seen in, in, in the history of sermon notes. Like, you know, studying John MacArthur or like, you know, epic Egyptian pictures. hieroglyphics. <laughs> epic you know like epic epic differently like it looks like a graffiti wall like it's colorful and like big name big big verses and like i remember you told me that you drew a picture of me like a little army guy to do like a soldier illustration to put my name on the name tag and just like i mean i i don't know anybody who you know has like that to me makes me think of like someone with add and the only way that they can actually prepare a sermon is by drawing pictures in a coloring book, you know, like that's, that's beautiful. Like it's skillful, especially to like knock it out of the park. I, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to boost your ego too much, Steve, but you are just awesome at, at sermons and you're an inspiration for me to when, when I write sermons that just the way that you can just, flow through stuff is it's it's really really I'm good for and so a picture of my because i took a picture of my sermon notes maybe i can hold it up to the screen but you know the answer here, two things um number one i do have add so thanks for reminding me of that you want to <laughs> talk about deceased relatives while we're at it i mean <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about my grandma <laughs> but, uh, well yeah i got some um anyway, uh, I, i'm a visual learner so i'll give you an example i don't know if you can see that that's a hold on let me see. That's a uh, yeah. It looks like Cartman that's a from, picture oh, of Santa. that's a picture of Simeon holding <laughs> holding the baby of Jesus. So when I come to that portion in my sermon notes, then I then I actually you know I I don't go off of script. That's a picture of um of what it means. Hold on, of what yeah. it means to depart in peace. Um, kind of an old hippie that's probably high, but anyway. Um, that's you know I I like tie dye shirt dude there's so many colors in a tie dye shirt I <laughs> I do that because for me personally I'm a visual I'm just a visual learner um and so though I have a, a script a transcript source so to speak where I, I can read off of it when I get to little points it reminds me so I could just be like talking and then I'll think of peace and I was like oh I'm gonna draw out this guy that's just like a peace character and then it reminds me of something to where I can just kind of 
go off script, if you will, and let kind of God, God do his, do his thing. But anyway, you know, it's, and, and then maybe one day when I die, they'll turn them into children's, you know, I don't know. I'm just you know, thinking maybe <laughs> Steve, <be> children's books. <laughs> I feel like you ought to start just an Instagram feed of just your sermon notes because like, I mean, just, just a, another way of ministering to people like who, who are like you, like visual learners. And I think like to, to the folks that are listening, you know, like, especially for us, like worship leaders, this moment where we can feel that we don't quite fit in like you know creative types like you know we, we don't fit quite the the same mold that you're used to like seeing churned out of a like of a of a pastoral or like a seminary kind of thing oh my gosh he just showed another photo um but i i think that what what that does is show god's god's actual creativity in us that yeah and how he chooses to use each one of us in different ways like you know we don't quite fit the mold in different ways, but that's okay. Cause God broke the mold when he made each one of us. Yeah. Like I mean, not, I've had people, one of us that's like that. I've had people ask, Hey man, I really like that. Can you, can you X, uh, can you email me your sermon notes? And I'm like, uh, dude, I don't know that that's going to help you too much. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> you might just want to go with the audio and leave it at that. Like, why uh, did you send me a children's coloring book? Steve? Yeah, yeah. Like, what is this? And what's going on in your psycho head when you're sharing it? <laughs> but anyway, but all that to say, uh, you know, if, if God's led you to do like whatever, like so for, so for Steve to plant a church, to, to be a lead pastor, to, to uniquely challenge, you know, or to, to be in the community that he's in, and to like like what you said, like your rebound relationship initial initial church, uh, but like to change and to be willing to to, to endure a, a DNA change that quick into your church's history, um, I think that you know I just I, I love your creativity in it, but I also love um, God's creativity and just knowing who He needed to put, you know, like colorful characters that I'm, that I have on my screen right now that, uh, that, that love Jesus and, and want to see him, his name, great, his name worshiped and, and the word being taught and lives transformed is such a cool, cool thing. Well, Steve, let me ask you this. Um, I, I, it's such an interesting dynamic and I think it comes up, like if you go to worship conferences or pastoral conferences, this question comes up. So I'm interested to hear your, your take on it. The relationship between the lead pastor and the and the worship leader at times can be like a really, uh, it it can be a it can be a tumultuous one. It can be really difficult. What is it that you that you do? <clears throat> and Adam, like maybe you can have this you know answer into this question too. But what is it that you guys do to make sure that you're working on the same page and that you that you maintain a good working relationship? Well. I mean, do I do have I, a good working relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say this, you know, um, the first thing is, you know, I, I learned early on through a lot of examples and not always good ones um, that um, if I want Redemption Hill to honor the Lord, then it's got to look like Jesus. It, it can't look like me, mm. meaning I might have a vision for things you know, ultimately, um, but I'm going to ask God to make the church look like him. Now I may not like that. You know, I may say in word, well, that's what we want. And then God, God may do something that isn't in line with what I wanted. And so here's right. what I learned early on is I really do want the church to look like Jesus. 
And therefore, I want God to send people that are gifted. First Corinthians 12 said that God gifts people for the benefit of all. And so mm. I'm not a micromanager. I My gift is not worship. I know what I like. I know what I envision for a church. Um, and I hold that, but I hold it loosely because if the church is going to look like Christ, it's going to look like Christ through the people that Christ gifts and comes to the church. So I don't have a typical relationship that with Adam that maybe some senior pastors have. I don't pick his songs. I don't tell him what he needs. I mean, every now and then I might, I might say, Hey man, it's a really cool song and shoot it to him. But outside of that, Adam, Adam, Adam's the one who's gifted. I prayed God sent, he gifted. So the worst thing I can do for Redemption Hill is to get in God's way by handcuffing the people that God's gifted so that they can do it the way I want it done. Now, having said that, there's an umbrella over the church. It's a general vision. Obviously, if Adam starts, you know, getting into transcendental meditation and adding a little salt and pepper of religion and Jesus into it, then we're probably going to have a, I'm going to have a long cup of coffee <laughs> for the most part. Here's the thing. Like, Oh my gosh, I, there's so I, much that you just said there. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. When I was a youth pastor, one of the best things and worst things that was done for me is my senior pastor. I went to a church of 10,000 people. Our youth group was 300 kids. And one of the best things that was done for me is my senior pastor let me lead how I wanted to lead. He never, re- he never really got involved. Now, one of the worst things is he never really got involved. Mm. But the best thing was he let me lead and make mistakes. And I had to yeah. grow from my mistakes. The worst thing was that he let me lead and never got involved. And, and so there wasn't a relationship there. And, and so making the mistakes was often and they really, you know, the only time I really went in front of the throne was when I did something wrong and somebody complained and it was like, you slapped my hand. And so there wasn't, there wasn't a discipleship into what his vision was, but nonetheless, I did learn. And so to me, I've tried to learn from that and say, and then I went to a church where the pastor was just psycho. I mean, he learned, he just, he oversaw everything. I mean, you couldn't, you know, you get, you needed to get permission to breathe if, if you wanted to live right in, in that church. And so I mm. learned from all those to say, look, God's gifted Adam. Adam and I are friends. And that's something I can say that's, that's true of all of the leaders in our church. I'm friends with them. So if it's only a boss thing, then I'm, I better expect a boss, you know, a boss employee uh, relationship and outcome of things. But if it's a friend thing as well, then it's what Paul said. Paul said, we shared not only the word, we gave you our very lives, right? Yeah. There's something powerful when people share their lives with one another, that as long as the, everyone understands the role that God's put them in, right? I'm not, I'm not Adam's God. I'm not Adam's. I don't tell Adam what he's to sing and how he's to sing it or what he's to wear and stuff like that. Although I a tra- nagging wife, pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the relationship I would say first and foremost is a mutual respect that each of us are gifted in our areas that God has called us to. Right. Um, and so the other thing is, I think the relationship is we're friends, but, it, but it's not a sloppy friendship where it's like we don't know our place. I know my place when it comes to, um, you know, sharing in in worship. He's the gifted one. I'm going to I'm going to defer to him and vice versa. 
he knows that God's called me to lead the church. So he defers to me. And so it it isn't an I'm over you thing. It's a long side thing, understanding each other's gifts. And if people can humble themselves in church, a worship leader and a, and a, and a leads and a lead pastor could have a horrible relationship. If they both, both don't walk humbly on their knees and realize their lane and where God's gifted them. I, I want worship to look like Jesus, not Steve and not Adam. Right. And so I got to trust that if I'm praying God fills a role, that the person in that position is who God chose. And that's that's hard for some people. Oh, man, there's so much that you just said that. <laughs> there's there's eight podcasts in what you just what you just said. I think the biggest takeaway that that we can get is like what you just said, Steve. I want the church to look like Jesus, not like Steve, not like Sean, not like Adam. And if and if it ever becomes one of those things where like I need the church to look exactly like me and the things that I like and the things that like just that, like we've missed the boat. And honestly, like it comes down to some level of just like we failed. We failed <laughs> what, what God's called us to do. And, you know, there, there needs to become a good level of repentance there. Like, God, I put my, my will and desires over yours and you know, I've tried to make it, you know, the, the, the house that worships Sean. And that's not, that's not ever a place that I, that I want to be or have any of us land. So th- thanks for that. Amazing it looks work. like me, man. That is the ugliest church I could yeah. imagine. Like, Oh, there's atrocious. a reason this podcast is just audio. It's not <laughs> video. Uh, Great face for radios. <laughs> it would be, it would be the ugliest podcast on, on things. No, man. Okay. Steve, let me ask you, let me ask you this, this, this question too. What advice would you give to somebody looking to plant a church anywhere? Uh, but like in looking like, what are, what are some of the things like that, that you learned quickly as you went to, the, that you went to plant the church and both, I, I, it can be in worship or anything, but uh, like what, what would, what advice would you give to a potential church planner looking to come to Utah or plant in any place? Well, first of all, you know, I would say that if you're going to, if you're looking to plant a church, then um, you know, the church community will tell you everything that you need to have in place before you plant the church. Right. And, and some mm. of it will be wisdom. I, I, no doubt, but, but I would, I would, you know, kindly, respectfully, humbly say, make that the back page of your book, because the very front page needs to be, what are you hearing from God? Because here's the truth. If you're going to plant the church, nobody owns the vision of the church, like the planter owns it, right? Nobody's Mm -hmm. effective, like the planter owns it. And so you need to hear from God. I had to make some decisions early on in our church that, that frankly emptied out half of our church, but it was what God was telling me to do. I couldn't back away because the cost of that was going to be bottoms in the seat. Because if I set that precedent in the beginning that I'll, that I'll cater to man and I'll cater. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if Moses catered to all the complaints of the children of Israel? Can, can you imagine where, where the children of Israel would be? They'd still be wandering in, in the stinking wilderness <laughs> years later. You know, I mean, at some point, you got to realize you're hearing from God as a church planter, not, not, in, not in an arrogant way. And you, and you just, you, you bear the costs associated with the call of God. And if God calls you to upend your worship team, in this case, bring somebody completely in knowing full well, the congregation is beneficial. Is, is, is loving of the old worship team. It's people are going to leave. People are going to complain. If, if that's what God is telling you to do, set the precedent early that you are going to 
Surround yourself with a few faithful men that will tell you the truth and then pay the cost associated with the call of God. There's not mm. a lot of pastors that are willing to pay the cost associated with the call of God. And, and so I think it was the best thing that we had decided for our church early on. You know, I, I pray Adam is with us for the next 20 years, but you know what? If he's not, God brought him for a time and God will move him to a different place to be a star somewhere else. You know, I don't know. But, mm. but the point is, is, is I think if you obey God, regardless of what the naysayers are, remember there were only two people, two of 12 that said, we can take this land. Two of 12. Yeah. Listen, it was, it was the 12 that overshadowed the voice of the two in the eyes of the people. And so what you find in that story is they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, not entering the promises of God because you had 10 faithless people that were in leadership and two faithful ones. And so I'm not really interested in the voice of the masses, though it matters to some degree. I'm more interested in the voice of the faithful. Who are the people that are willing to live by faith and say, we can do this? And I'll tell you something. Adam is that. I mean, there's no good. I, I, you know, I told, I told Adam early on. I mean, if you know Adam, Adam is a, is a, is a, you know, you don't have to wonder what he's thinking. He's just telling <laughs> you. Know, whatever. If, Which, you, if you've <laughs> listened to this podcast for any any amount of time, no, you, you, you know. Well, I resemble that. <laughs> Which is, which is good and bad. Here's the thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a war. You know, our church is in a war. We're in a war for souls. And we have people in our church and in leadership that are in great places to be care pastors. And they love mm -hmm. and they listen. I ain't one of them, right? And Adam ain't one of them. We, we love people, but there's going to be more of a stand-up war mentality that if you're going to come against the church, that we're going to lovingly take a stand and say, this is holy and this is not. The church needs that too, right? And so I, I, I think my relationship with him, I think we both understand as we're friends, we meet, we meet as much as we can weekly. It's, it's hard when you're halfway bivocational as both of us are. It's hard when you got a little bit of a pandemic. And so, but, but we're, we're in touch with each other a little often. Um, and, yeah. and, and the truth is we're, we're good friends. I mean, we, we hang out outside of church, right? And, yeah. and I can say that's true of all of our core leadership. Um, we hang out outside of church and Adam's not a brown noser. Um, I've been in church. And so I'm very familiar with what a brown noser looks like. I, it's repulsive uh, to me. Like, you know, don't brown nose me, you know, brown nose Lord, you know, go, 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 go get <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that like, you know, go follow God around and please God, don't worry about pleasing me. Right. Yeah. I, I don't trust people that are like that. I'll be honest with you. Leaders that come in and they start cozying up to me as if I can give them something God hasn't called them to. I don't trust them and I don't get close to them. So I don't think we have that in our church. And if we did, I think the, the crew that's there we, we, would spot it. So him and I have a great relationship and, you know, he may think different, but, you know, I'm just kidding. You know, I, I, I think, and Adam, I'll let you speak to your relationship, but what I see as an outside, you know, observer of this is the relationship that you guys have is, is awesome. And it's one that, um, that deals in a good, great amount of mutual respect um, and, and, I, and from what I've seen and how you guys work together, that, that translates into Sunday, like your congregation is going to see that and it's, and does see that. And it's an amazing way. Adam, what, what do you think, man? Well, I mean, honestly, I, I don't, I don't have anything to, to, to add to, to it. I mean, I, like, I'm, 
Steve was pretty transparent as far as how, how the relationship is. And, and I enjoy being a friend and, you know, having somebody to, to have good conversation with and have a cup of coffee and chat about life. And we talk about everything. I mean, they're like, I think that that's, that's such a valuable piece that I, I, there's no filter. And early, earlier, you were kind of explaining something there that uh, you were talking about how, like, if you want this logistic organization that has an org chart and, you know, this is where the worship pastor might stand in, in its role and you are the boss, like you're, you're the lead pastor and you're in charge. And, you know, to some extent that, that has to exist just to kind of keep some level of organizing to go there. But, but if you want it to be something that is a reciprocal relationship that is, that is mutual and that we care about each other and that we care about our lives outside of just the, the role that we play and that we, that we take responsibility for on a Sunday um, that on Tuesday, when life hits the fan, that we're there with, we're, we're there for each other. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you want it to be like a boss, there's malfunction. If you're trying to force that, that friendship to exist in that same category. And so to be more organic or more genuine with each other and just, you know, I mean, from before we, before I even came on board at the church, like, Steve and I were, were, were meeting together regularly, like knowing what, you know, like why in the world would I even go down to Saratoga Springs for, for this when, when I live 30, 35 minutes, 40 minutes away, like give me a snowstorm like yesterday and I've, my drive yeah. is multiplied, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I don't, you know, I, I never thought about about getting down there and 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 moving down to something like that, um, especially when I had a lot of things moving up here. And so, be, becoming a friend to Steve first, and then growing into a role of of mutually helping to lead a church together, uh, I feel like is far more superior than just kind of going like, well, he's my superior, and that's I have to clock in on a Sunday morning, get to work, do my job. And I report to him. Like I, I love yeah. that there's a trust about, um, you know what what you know he he trusts that I've I've done the work and I've done the study and the preparation in order to make sure that that a Sunday isn't full of, you know, songs that that don't align with what what we believe as a congregation don't lead people in the right direction, um, and and then as well that. I'm leading well, the people that I'm responsible to be able to, 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 to help disciple the, the other people on the team, the, the sound teams, the, the areas that I'm, 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 I've taken in to, to be able to kind of grow up as Christians. It's, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm keeping that in check. And that's something that Steve and I are addressing weekly. We, we meet together yeah. and, um, and that's, you know, I, I look forward to those meetings because that's a time where we get to unpack different situations that we're both facing. Maybe there's somebody that has gone up to him and said, Hey, like, you know, Adam, he brought up something. I, I remember one time, you know, like for example, I brought up an illustration about ice cream and man, like that just made people angry. Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything wrong. It wasn't unbiblical. It was just, I used an outside biblical, you know, example of food in order to talk about an expectancy of what we have about God. And, you know, instead of, instead of going like, basically the illustration was I used ice cream. People show up to church to get this, you know, flavor of ice cream that they want. And, you know, they're like, oh, they better have Rocky road this morning. And they better have, you know, they better have the, the mint chocolate chip. Well, what if I show up to God, you know, show up to church 
expecting God to give me exactly what I need. And the problem is, is that most people don't do that. And so I don't want to take mm. it on a whole other tangent and unpack that now, but the whole point of it was like that illustration, like it, it was something that I remember having the conversation with Steven. He's like, he's like, you like, it was, it was good. You, you, you weren't wrong at all. Like it was, it was coming to the conclusion that we're like the person who's angry about this is probably just really convicted about what you said, calling mm. them on the, uh, you know, calling them on the, uh, on the table and saying, Hey, like if you're showing up with an agenda of your own, God's going to call you on it. And he just used Adam to do it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what it was, you know, let me, let me say this first to any, to any lead pastor that would listen, you know, you're not above the one you're supposed to serve, which is Christ. And if Christ is said in Philippians chapter two, verse four, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not regard equality with God, something in grass, but emptied himself and became a servant. That yeah. is the role of a lead pastor. Now, how he does it sets a culture in the church. So if I come in with a high head, expecting everybody to understand that I'm the leader, that's the antithesis of what's talking about. If I set a culture where people know that I'm the leader, but they know about it through my humility and how I'm deferring to others. We're an elder-led church, but although we're an elder-led church and three of us truly make the decisions, there's about six of us that make the decisions because I defer to people and, and Adam and our youth pastor and others because they have valuable contributions to it, right? But here's the thing. If, if, if I want a boss-employee relationship, if, if that's, you know, and some people, that's what they want, okay? You know, part of the reason is because, well, you know, I don't want to open myself up too much because, you know, I'll, I'll get hurt or whatever. Well, then get out of ministry, man. That's all I can tell you. Because Paul said, I'll gladly spend and be spent for your soul. Though the more I love you, the less I'm loved. I mean, that's just, that's what it is. It, it, the, the byproduct of being an over you type of a leader is the fact that, that people, people will listen and they'll capitulate. But here's the thing. You're never really going to know what's going on in their life. Because the last thing they're going to do is open up to you if they don't trust you. Now what you've got is you've got division. And here's where that comes out practically. And it's to what Adam was talking about. You know, we went through a season where I had people that thought that they had the permission to come up to me in private and, and talk about Adam. All right. And here's the thing. They didn't have that permission. And in mm. Boston employee relationship, I might be tempted to listen to that type of thing because ultimately I really don't have his back as a friend, right? When you come up to me and you talk to me about a friend, I'm going to shut you down on that, right? And so yeah. we went through a testing period where I had people that were so blatant and they were coming up to me and they were talking about him. You know, I remember one time I had, I had 16 people, lo lo love them to death, good people. They don't go to our church anymore. They were going through their own things, but they thought it was appropriate to have a meeting and they wanted to talk about Adam. And, every, and, 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 the, and the insinuation, so I heard, I listened to all of them, the insinuations that were being made, they were casting, they were casting um, you know, motive to his heart. He'd only been there a month, right? And so oh, when man. all of them got done, I just asked him, and there was one person that kind of let it more than others, you know, she was, she was very adamant about it. And I just asked the question, I said, okay, you guys, um, how many of you guys can tell me two good things that you like about Adam? And this person let it said, that's just the thing, Steve. We don't know him well enough. You brought him in here. And I said, so you don't know him well enough to tell me two good things, but you know him well enough to tell me all these bad things. I said, mm -hmm. before I'm going to listen to anything you say about any leader in my church, I'm going to make sure that you know that leader. It's very easy yeah. to sit on the outside and to take 
accusation that's made against a person's character from people that don't love them, don't care about them, and don't know them, this is not going to be this church. And so here's the thing. I will back every one of my leaders, including my worship leader, because that's a huge part of our church. And no congregant has the right to come and to talk about the leaders in our church or my friends unless they've first gone and talked to them. Senior pastors need to grow a backbone and they need to stop talking garbage about the people who are on their staff because you want to appease (laughs) the people that have accusation against them. Those aren't the people you want to lock arms with when you go to war. It's like be a mature Christian and go talk to them first. And then if you have an issue. Yeah. Steve, I think what you just did was ensure that one, the worship pastor position at Redemption Hill is taken. Adam has that, that like that, that's the role that God has called him to But if something was to ever happen where Adam moved on to another role, all they have to do is listen to this podcast and you have your pick of the litter of any (laughs) uh, of any worship leader that needs to come in. And I think, you know, like what you what to what you just said, Steve, and like for me as a worship pastor have have served in that role for for some time now. That's what that's what I want. I want that in in a senior pastor. I want that in a leader, somebody who I know is going to have my back in both of the areas when I've screwed up and in the areas when I've done well and wants to, um, wants to pour into me as a friend, not so much as a boss. And so that's awesome. And so, man, we, we have just run out of time and, uh, I, I it's, it seems like we, we just got started. Steve, thank you so much for joining us and for providing this, this really public, uh, job performance review of Adam today. Uh, <laughs> We're, we're really, we're really glad that you've done that, but we, we very much want everybody uh, who's listening to this to join in on the conversation. That's all it is. We're talking about what God has done in our lives and how that pertains to worship. And uh, Steve, thank you so much for your perspective on everything today. So good. Awesome. Well, guys, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to sign us out here. This is uh, just, Hey, if, if you haven't yet, go ahead and check out our Facebook page, Sons of ASAP, a worship podcast. And uh, there you can get links to the episodes and, and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, until next time, I'm Adam Richardson. And I'm Sean Patrick. I want to do one more thing. I want you oh. guys, if you want more of Steve, you need to go uh-huh. check out Redemption Hill social, social media. You need to hear him preach. You need to hear, see what he has and hit him up on, on social media to, to post his, uh, his notes. Well, but he yeah. also has a podcast. That's right. What is yeah, it? Steve? We have a, plug, well, plug we have your a podcast. radio show that, that translates into a podcast, I guess it's uh, shouts of grace radio.com. Yeah. There right. There's more Steve. Have. You need to hear more from him. Thank you guys for being with us. That's uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Blessings. Thank you for listening to the Sons of Asaph Worship podcast. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review and to subscribe. Connect with us on our Facebook page. See you next time. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) 